Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Joseph and I'm Nick and this is fish jelly uh, 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 uh. how are you I'm okay how are you okay did you see that Alec Baldwin was indicted I did see that yeah mm-hmm. so for involuntary manslaughter in relation to the shooting on the set of that film rust that he produced and starred in Mm -hmm. so he had been charged originally and then those charges were dropped yes but now there's a new district attorney yeah and they've examined the gun that was destroyed by the fbi investigation and i believe i read that they determined that that had to have been the trigger had to have been pressed right that's what i understood that the reason he that the case was reopened and charged is because he's Alec Baldwin is claiming that he never pulled the trigger. Mm-hmm. But then upon further examination, it was determined that the trigger had to have been pulled for the, the trigger, gun to go off. The trigger pulled you. So, yeah. So he, that, that lady didn't walk into the bullet. So yeah. Oh, the cat's here. She's mad too. Well, the, but yeah. So apparently this, type of charge and where he's being charged i think could lead to a maximum or minimum sentence of 18 months mm. so well he won't be able to make some bad c-grade films then for 18 uh-oh. months i mean that's what he's been doing lately well and then the his financial situation people are questioning because he put up his hamptons home mm-hmm. for sale yeah, he's got too many kids. His career's not what it used to be. And then there's this uh, uh, sort of Damocles hanging over his head. So, yeah, he's probably not doing well. Oh, well, we'll see how that goes. Moving on, I wanted to talk about... So the gym I go to, there are a lot of gay men at the gym, I would assume, based on a number of factors. But... <laughs> Just like on site, like like if you look at them all, it would appear that, you know, 75% are gay, maybe. Uh-huh. But whenever, you know, once in a while, there will be like a, a, like a guy who comes in with his girlfriend and then they seem super uncomfortable, the, the, the guy, and then they'll make efforts to show like, I'm not gay. Look at me like kissing my girlfriend in the middle of the gym and... Mm-hmm hugging her and like it just is so awkward to witness but yes, the other because we have to uh, get that act of heterosexuality out of there to mm-hmm. normalize the space but the other day there was this guy who walked in and you could see that he was kind of like uncomfortable like oh there are a lot of gay men in here i guess and his girlfriend got on the elliptical machine that one where you use your arms and your legs mm-hmm. and this man stood there like holding on to her the entire time she was on the machine, which was 30 minutes. Okay. Well, good use of his At points holding her hand. So Mm -hmm. she was only, you know, like the cross-country arms situation. She was only using one arm to pedal this machine because she had to hold his hand. You know what? They're going to be a great success. Oh, you know what I kept thinking? Like how embarrassing for her that this is, well, she just, man. she's stupid. Then she hasn't learned that you got to get this dead fucking weight, this monkey off your back, girl. He's this insecure something that he has to stand or, or maybe it's not, you know, I'm just assuming that he was trying to show everyone like, I'm not gay. Don't look at me. You know, the other gag is that he was not an attractive man. Like, you know, <laughs> oh my God. The cat is dismayed by this story. She's upset about this too. Uh-huh. Jeez. No, but he wasn't much to look at. And there are a lot of attractive men at the gym. So I find it funny that he thinks that anyone's going to like <laughs> break their back to convert him. Well, again, it's 
to be fair, who knows what this person thinks, but you look, you look dumb. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, who knows what he's thinking, but what if he's thinking like, oh, I don't want any of these guys trying to get at my girl is like, uh, whatever it is, that behavior seems strange and there's a peculiar reason behind it. Yeah. I felt, I felt so bad for her. Yeah. Like, cause she, she kind of seemed like she was annoyed by it. I'm sure she was. Then I'm thinking, is she being held captive? Like, is are you okay? Like, blink twice if you need us to call for help. Is your first name Steven? Oh, God. Uh, next. So I was listening to a podcast and someone talking about how they found their father through Ancestry.com. And so I thought, oh, I've never been on there. Let me. I was thinking, oh, I'll create a profile and put in my info. So maybe if a long lost relative is there, is there a service that I can do the opposite with? Well, I didn't where, realize where I can get rid of my family. Ancestry.com is expensive. Yeah. They don't do it for free. It's like $50 a month. Yeah. I'm not paying $50 a month. So some person I don't know can hit me up. And, and honestly, every time someone has hit me up, like on Instagram or Facebook saying that we're related, they always want something. Of like course. Money. Yeah. Otherwise, why did they reach out? <laughs> so we, I'm going to pay $50 a month so some random person can tell me we're cousins and ask me for money. We've been doing just fine living apart. <laughs> I was very disappointed to learn that Ancestry.com was that expensive. Oh, that doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, they're a business. They yeah, but money. I was thinking maybe like a one-time fee or like a $5 a month. $50? Well, yeah, as in perpetuity? Like, when are you done with your ancestors? Yeah, when am I? So what happens if I decide, like, I don't want to pay anymore? Like, I just am wiped from the slate or what? They, they kill those relatives. I Well, plus, I'm assuming that they benefit from having a large database. So I'm assuming if you it's enroll. probably access. And because new things come up, right? Like, that's how they discovered that man that was implanting his semen and all those women in that one documentary, right? Yes. So new information is uploaded. I would just think that maybe at the bare minimum, there should be a free option where you can just put your information so people can find you. And then if you want to read messages, then that's another tier. And sure. then, but like $50 out the gate, there was a cheaper option that was like, you only get to, there was like a $35 option. I think that didn't give you like access to see your like family tree. We won't give you their identities, but we'll let you know what diseases they have. And there is a more expensive option. I think that was like close to $60 a month that gave you all the bells and whistles. But yeah, I was very surprised to learn that that like that there is no free option for that anyway. They, they, they... Cause they're certainly data mining. So don't I like, can I get at least get it for free? <laughs> Is there an option where people can leave cryptic or poetic messages to their relatives that might find them at a later date? Oh, God. Moving on to the restaurant section. So I should have known better because some dummy, some dumb homosexual I know recommended <laughs> this restaurant called Safi's. Okay. there's. Are you going to do the, the prelude to the event? As, we, so, as in Joseph, because the parking's not available, so we'll roll on up and I have to get out and talk to people. Well, first of all, I, so someone recommended this restaurant. I thought, oh, I know that restaurant because I drive by it often and it looks cute at night when driving by because it's always busy and it's, there are a lot of windows. There's a lot of science and it's called Safi's. It's on fountain near the Scientology center and it's like a Mediterranean restaurant. So then I said, oh, let's check it out because someone recommended it. We go and I pulled up so you could get out and see if they had seating and they didn't. So, well, it was like an hour wait, which I will so, not do. So then you made a reservation for a later date. And so we tried to go last week, but we sat down and first of all, they sat us on the patio with your back touching like a plastic barrier onto the street and a heat lamp on us on this like raggedy two top with like those chairs were like the cheapest $19 Ikea chairs you can find. And then we opened up the menu and I was like, absolutely not. I'm not paying $60 for like a shawarma plate. And then I was looking at pictures of the food and it's like, this food looks like any old Euro shop you find like on Hollywood or in Times Square, like the shit they would serve you there. This is what it looked like to me. And they were charging way more than I think they should have. It they they did have uh, inflated pricing for what was being offered. I just don't feel the need to. I've I've learned that I will regret 
spending good money at a restaurant where it's like, this is not cute. This is like, this food does not look like anything spectacular. And then we ring up a $200 bill and then I'm just annoyed. And four kebabs is what, like $80 or something? It was was, outrageous. It was was definitely over And we've experienced this before where we go to a Mediterranean restaurant and it's very expensive. And then they bring out two little like skewers of chicken, like two pounds of rice, a bunch of iceberg lettuce, those big ass chunks of tomatoes, a huge dollop of hummus with two pieces of pita bread. (laughs) And then it's like, why was this $80? I don't understand. So I said, I didn't want to eat there. You were willing to stay, but I said, we can find somewhere better. So when the server came, I said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be ordering from here. We're going to go. And she said, something to the effect of like, oh, I support your choices, (laughs) which made me feel better because I'm like, she knows this shit is, I mean, we weren't even sitting inside. I felt bad for the host because she looked, the it made it look like something went wrong and she looked alarmed. To anyone at Safi's, the staff was perfectly lovely and nothing they did influenced why we left. But yeah, I just, at, at this point in my life, I'm just not, it's just a ripoff. This is not comfortable. That seating we were at was not comfortable. No. We were outside and the restaurant was empty and this and the the host was very nice and explaining, I'm putting you out here because we're about to get busy and I need to She said there was a method to her selection which I understood, but from you have to also understand like you want me to spend hundreds of dollars for a meal that certainly would have felt mediocre in a space that was not very cute. We were we were if that where we were sitting prior to COVID would have been the sidewalk. Yeah. (laughs) It would have been the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. So now I'm spending premium money to eat basic food on the sidewalk with a heat lamp on my neck on some Ikea chairs on a tiny two top. Like, you know, the inside looks nicer. I wouldn't know because we didn't get to go in, but I don't know. You know, spot. I don't know if this is still there. This was back in the 90s when I was in college. But at the forum shops in Vegas, Spago had their like fine dining room. And then they had the patio seating, which was like the cafe. Mm-hmm. But patio is kind of, of being, you know, it, it doesn't do it justice because it was still inside the forum shop. So you were sitting like in the thick of all the fun stuff, but you were just not inside the dining room. So they they had the same menu items, but they were presented slightly different for much less money. Mm-hmm. So I felt that always felt better to me. Like if I have to sit sort of in a smaller table that's sort of like exposed to everyone, then as long as I get the same food, that's fine. But I'm not paying. So there was so there was going to be people on the inside of that restaurant sitting at a nice booth with all the cute lighting and yes, paying the same money I'm paying. No. So we left, but then, okay, know me Malone, but then we tried a restaurant that we had walked by many times called Figaro Bistro. Yes. And you had passed judgment. You passed judgment on this restaurant. Well, only because every time we walked by, it always looks so packed. But then I realized why, first of all, it's people drinking wine outside. They have an amazing happy hour and it's like all night long. Yeah. So then everyone sits out and it's, it's a Parisian feeling type Mm -hmm. cafe. It was super cute. And they have an amazing happy hour during the week, mm-hmm. like up and it's like from four to eleven thirty or something crazy. It's, I think it's eleven, but yeah. But so that's why it's always packed. But that's because people are sitting on the outside, just like having wine. When we went in, they sat us on the inside. I thought it was really cute, um, and I liked the food we ordered. I would definitely go back there again. Mm-hmm. So I feel silly that I never thought to try Figaro Bistro. Oh, yeah. And it's right next to the Los Feliz 3 theater, which is a theater. Well, again, I have to stipulate that I've only been to the uh, screening room with the bigger screen. (laughs) Uh, Because apparently the others are like almost like a micro cinema. Yeah. uh, But I I do like the theater or, or at least what the American Cinematheque presents there. Yeah. So shout out to that place. I'm glad that that was my alternative to Safi's because I did enjoy. Yes. We had a lovely evening. Okay. Someone sent a question that has like three parts. So I'll just ask uh, them separately. Nick, have you been to the London film festival? No, 
I'm curious about your experience at various film festivals over the years. What do you like, dislike, look forward to with each of them? What sets them apart? Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm, sh- I'm to, I feel like uh, you've talked about all of this. I feel like before. I've talked about this. So people listening might be actually probably bored, but Sundance is going on right now and I'm covering it remotely. Although they've made it a bit different in limiting access to select titles uh, because they want people to come back to park city. And I highly dislike going to park city and I haven't been there since 2019. So if I were to return, it would be me staying alone because now at the age I'm at now, like I, I can't share space and write uh, and be comfortable and enjoy myself. Uh, but so Sundance is my least favorite. Uh, Berlin is a city. It's one of my favorite cities in the world. So it's a perfect match of being like th- th- this fabulous European progressive city uh, with a fantastic film festival happening. Uh, Cannes, uh, again, I've started staying alone the past three years and it's a, a, a vastly different experience. And now I do enjoy it, but I used to, it used to be just, like this thing I would like hurting myself to go to because of the rooming situation. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I like it. And also um, can has a tiered press system. So if you'd have a lower tier, it's also not pleasant, but I've been going long enough where I have a really good badge, uh, a comfortable place to stay I'd navigate it very easily. It's like an efficient, well-oiled machine. So I do really enjoy that now. And I've recently started going to Venice and I think I've resigned myself to the fact that I want to stay by myself and I'll have to take a boat back and forth twice a day <laughs> to go to the Lido. And now that I've resigned myself to that fact, I, I like Venice, although it's a sleepy place. And I think staying more than three days in that city, if you were just a tourist, would be too much. Because <laughs> there's really nothing to do except look at the lovely architecture and wonder how the city is still standing. Then the third part to the question is, are some festivals better for breaking new talent than others? Yes. Um, <clears throat> like Cannes, Ven- the, 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 the top three, Cannes, Venice, Berlin, you know, what's playing in competition. So what the vast majority of the press is really paying attention to, uh, those are almost, the, you know, a very small percentage of those films and in, in, in those programs are from debut filmmakers. So something like Sundance is good for being a buzz machine for new filmmakers um, or uh, San Sebastian or Rotterdam, uh, something that Locarno, uh, something that curates and champions, you know, for lack of a better word, unknown filmmakers, that that is a platform for somebody to become, you know, instantly notable on the art house film festival circuit right uh but yeah the 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 top three again people paying attention to sidebar items yes it it, it, they're yeah of course those are great if you're selected as a new filmmaker in any of those programs shorts included uh that's great but i i think most people are paying attention to what is winning the top dog prizes you know the the palm the lion and the bear that being said I mean, I just noticed from watching all of these movies and getting all of these emails asking to review movies that there are a lot of festivals no one's ever heard of. Yes. But, I mean, if you're... Every every city, major city has this film festival, except you have to remember, even Toronto, which I haven't been to since 2019 as well, and I, I went for like 15 years, uh, they're at like a poo-poo platter. Most of these places are... You know, like I go to Palm Springs to their film festival, Minneapolis. They are all a conglomeration of things that have played the festival circuit for a year. And it's a great way for locals in a major city to kind of see whatever the the programmers at at the affiliation have selected for them to see. Uh, So I don't want to seem like I'm pooping on those kind of things, but it's really they're really catch up, catch all. Even the AFI Film Festival, which does have a select number of premieres. Uh, usually Hollywood studio oriented. Uh, they are a good catch up if I've missed stuff because inevitably I, I can't see everything. So I do need I do need the catch up film festivals to uh, to hit the items that I've missed at sometimes three, four or five film festivals. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Films released. We didn't cover the breaking ice. OK, I didn't like this film. I saw it. 
at Cannes last year was in the In Certain Regards section. It's a new film from Anthony Chen, who dare I say is working too much because I am still waiting for him to deliver something that comes remotely close to his breakout hit, his first film, Ilo Ilo, in 2013, which won the Camera d'Or, the Golden Camera at Cannes, with the award for first feature. Um, yeah, it just seemed like uh, this this girl stuck between two guys. It's like they had the opportunity to film in this one area, and they did. I think you know what I was also I didn't like the film, and then I heard him introduce it and he was just like yeah i got the money to film here and a week before shooting we didn't even have a script yet and it's like yeah i can tell i can tell that this is all loosey-goosey and this is how i felt about listening to the director of night swim talk mm-hmm. about his movie it's like you're really not selling this film <laughs> to me at all no it's like uh, okay great it doesn't feel inspired or no you had an opportunity which is it's fantastic but uh well you were listening to a podcast with aja the Maddie Morphosis yeah. and, and discrepancies over the origin of her name. But at first, you know, before when she's trying to get people to pay attention to her, she gave an elaborate answer about where her name came yeah. from. <laughs> and I and think- then we learned that really it's, it should have been Asia, but people kept pronouncing it Aja because of her incorrect spelling. So she just kept it. Right. So it's like when people are asking, what was your inspiration to do something? They don't want to hear, Oh, it just uh nothing happened. nothing no one wants yeah because then it's like why would i invest in nothing so i just was reading into the depths of this I, I, anyway i didn't i didn't like the breaking ice i think he's a fantastic filmmaker but that i was not impressed inside the yellow cocoon shell this was a lot more interesting uh i saw this at can last year as well in the director's fortnight and this was, uh, I saw it on my second or last day. It was a repeat screening. It was one of those titles that it's a Vietnamese filmmaker, Tin and Pam. Uh, and it's three hours long. And I, I think I hadn't made time for it in my schedule, but it, it was one of those films that got a resounding amount of buzz. Like this is the film of the festival to see. So of course that causes all these journalists that are still there to scramble. And I was like, okay, I can fit this one in. And I did. And it's very, it's good. Uh, I think people are over praising it, but it is three hours and I don't think it needs to be, but it does feel like early Sai Ming Liang films. Uh, if you know what that filmmaker's like and it, he's up your alley, then I think you'll really dig inside the yellow cocoon shell. The kitchen, a uh, new Netflix film that's directed by Daniel Kaluuya and Kibwa Tavares. Uh, we didn't watch it. I think it's a sci-fi tale though. I would watch it. I watched the trailer. That It did not appeal to me. Wanted Man. Dolph Lundgren directed this, directing himself and Kelsey Grammer. I also watched this trailer and it did not appeal to me. That's bad coming from you because you'll watch them. I like dumb shit, but because you know what I was fearing? That they're taking themselves seriously. Oh, I'm sure. And that oh, would Kelsey not be Grammer. fun. Lastly, which brings me to you. Uh, Peter Hutching directs Lucy Hale and Nat Wolf in a rom-com. I think it's about two people that are uh, romantically burned out that, guess what, fall in love. I haven't seen it, though. Projects of interest, something called Bag? Bag. Uh, Soderbergh, another director who works a little too much, but he's put together a spy thriller that's going to star my favorite, Kate Blanchett and Michael Fassbender. So, you know. That'll probably be interesting. And Fountain of Youth. Uh, Guy Ritchie. Again, he's a bit hit or miss. But, you know, after Wrath of Man, I I hold out that he has probably a couple more really good films in him, even though the last two were not good. Um, John Krasinski and Natalie Portman, I believe, are playing brother and sister, searching for the titular uh, uh, imaginary place. And I I think I like both those people more than you do. Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Let's take a break. The secret movie this week was my choice, and I chose the 1974 surrealist comedy drama film, Sweet Movie, directed by... Dushin Makavayev. Why did I choose this film? Yesterday or the day before yesterday, I was reading about criterion selections because my desk is positioned in front of a wall of criterion films. Yeah, we have our own Criterion Closet. Yeah, you have like, what, 900? I have a lot of them, yeah. There are a lot of movies behind me (laughs) right now. 
And so I was reading about some Criterion films and I got into this rabbit hole about like the most disturbing Criterion films. And I went, was reading this Reddit thread and all of the things people were mentioning were things I was familiar with. And then I came across the film Sweet Movie and the title caught my attention. So I read a little synopsis and I thought, oh, this is giving me poor things vibes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, maybe this would be a good choice uh, considering poor things is getting a lot of buzz and might get nominated for many Academy Awards. So this is what we watched. I was surprised at this election. I was assuming you read about it somewhere. Because you don't think I'm smart enough to know anything interesting. No, that's not true. It's just uh, this was an odd choice coming from you. Uh, but I have seen this before. Uh, this and a previous film from the director, W.R. Mysteries of the Organism, are probably his best known films. Uh, Yugoslav filmmaker. Of course, Yugoslavia is now uh, Serbia and Montenegro. Um do you I, recall? Oh, go ahead. I have a couple f- other films of his, uh, but the only other, the third film I've seen of his is called Gorilla Bathes at Noon. Uh, but th- this by far is the pinnacle of his career. There's a, <laughs> in the history of car alarms, I feel like no one has ever checked on a, <laughs> like everyone ignores a car alarm. <laughs> oh yeah. I just the, take I the car this, and go. Take I hope it, this thing is not actually being stolen. Well, oh, there we go. Good. Uh, so do you recall the last time you watched a sweet movie? It's been a decade. I, I think we were living in West Hollywood. What was your time. memory or recollection of it? Oh, I gave it a, I have, I have it already down as a four and a half. So I, I remember having very positive, uh, reaction to it. This NWR. What is sweet movie about? After winning the most virgin contest, Miss Canada is married to a rich milk tycoon, but she quickly flees the marriage to experience the world around her full of sweetness and anarchy. That's the synopsis or premise I read that made me think poor things. This is only half the story. And there's a reason for that. But Did you read about that? No. The reason Well, here, why don't, okay. why don't I tell the story and then you can explain the reason. So the movie is kind of about two different stories. One is about this, like the richest man in the world, this milk tycoon. He's a bachelor. I think his name is Mr. Dollar. And he, (laughs) not unlike how Trump took over like the Miss Universe pageant, he takes over the Miss Virgin pageant because he wants to find the most beautiful virgin to marry. Why does he want that? Because he is paranoid over getting venereal diseases. So he thinks if he gets this beautiful virgin, he can just use her however he wants to and never have to worry about which it. Which made me think of Brett Ratner and remember him like forcing Lindsay Lohan to get an STI test before they could have sex. Oh, well. Shit like that. So Miss Canada wins the contest. They get married. And on the night of their wedding, when they're supposed to have sex, we see that he's just a weirdo. He's like cleaning his body with rubbing alcohol, trying to wipe her down with alcohol. And then he gets naked. And when we see his penis at first, his penis looked kind of like it was covered in blemishes, but then from a different angle, it looks like it's a gold plated. Yes. And, and he starts peeing out of this gold plated penis and Miss Canada freaks out. Mm -hmm. Like, She's hysterical. So then we cut to the next day and she's saying, I want a divorce and I want like spousal support. And the mother of Mr. Dollars is like, hell no. And basically has one of her henchmen like do away with her. So they pack her up in a suitcase and ship her to Paris (laughs) and ship Miss Canada off to Paris. So while she's in Paris, she sees this Spanish like actor singer guy, like filming a scene in a movie. He that's actually Sammy Frey. Who's French. Oh, but, and I think the director within the movie says like, I didn't ship you all over over here not to see Mexican or something. Yeah. I I got the sense that this actor was not Latino. And Mm -hmm. then he says Mexican, but then I'm assuming he's supposed to be Spanish because he's giving like conquistador vibes. Yes. yeah, I, I, I gathered that the actor himself is not Latino, but he, he sees Miss Canada and they have an instant connection. He has sex with her on, uh, on the Eiffel Tower. And they end up getting stuck, like when dogs get stuck yes. together. But after they are separated, she kind of goes insane. And he takes her in a wheelbarrow <laughs> to this commune. And then we get a very extended scene. It's like 20 minutes 
or more maybe of this commune and all these people. And it's, I think this is probably what, when people say this movie is so controversial and, and vulgar and disgusting, it's probably this scene and another one I'll get to, but it's just the, these people like eating and vomiting and pissing and shitting and all at the same time, really. all at the same time at the dinner table. Yep. Yep. So she ends up leaving there. And then we see her at like a photo shoot, Miss Canada, and she's being photographed naked, covered in chocolate, the end. Melted chocolate. Yes. Okay. Which, which is kind of mirroring how we meet her at the Miss Virgin contest where a gynecologist is staring up all their vaginas. Yeah. So the second part of the story is there's this woman who's like the captain of this barge. Main, named Anna Planeta. And the ship has a big old like the, the the front of the ship is like a replica of Karl Marx's face. Mm-hmm. And she's just going down the river and there's this soldier on a bike who sees her. She's singing and she's on the boat like it's a parade, like it's the gay pride parade. Yeah, that, and that's, she's the grand marshal. That, that soldier is very notable too, Pierre Clementi, who uh, is in many, many films, including Belle de Jour. So he tries to get her attention. She finally stops the boat so he can get on to be her lover. And she tells his ass, if you fall in love with me, I'll kill you. And she does. Uh, We also see that she has a bunch of boys on the boat. Young boys. Young boys. Like, like, yeah, like 10 or, and another scene that I think the most uncomfortable scene I thought was she's being, she's naked in front of these boys and caressing them. And I don't know how they filmed that. I, you know, the way people are going crazy over that scene in poor things that got edited out for the UK release. This is worse. People would lose their goddamn minds. Yeah. But she ends up having, so the boat is like filled with sugar and candy and she ends up having this soldier like they're both dipped in sugar and they're having sex in the sugar and then she kills him she stabs him to death as she's warned him she would as she said she would and the boat gets stopped the authorities yank her off and all the dead bodies because we see all the boys are dead and the the dead body of the soldier and then in the end we see that the bodies of the boys and like the body bags are like coming back to life and then intertwined in all of this we get footage from like it's real footage so apparently in some city in russia there was k10 a bunch of polish soldiers were seized and held captive for years and mistreated there and then i guess there were rumors of like a mass Stalin ordered them to be murdered. Yeah. But what do you call a mass grave? Mm -hmm. So then we get footage of these soldiers being removed, like their remains and being examined, which is very upsetting. Well, it's, it's upsetting and controversial for 1974 as well, because the Russian government didn't actually acknowledge that Stalin, you know, there's a cover up that, that he had actually ordered this to happen. And, uh, until the early two thousands and Andre Vadya made a film about it around that time. All right. So that, I mean, that's the movie. So why was it filmed separately? Well, like having two separate stories? Because uh, the lead actress walked off the set after that dinner scene. Oh. Carol Lohr, who's also, she's Miss Canada slash Miss Mond 1984. Like Wait, so future. what would, so what would the story have been if she didn't walk off? Who knows? Well, Makabayev, I think after this film, in that Criterion essay, it, it references an interview he gave in the year 2000 where after this movie people would still were still willing to back his films but insisted on a script and he didn't like working with scripts so there probably wasn't a, a complete story but anna planeta uh was created because the other actress oh so okay so that character was created after they had already shot and she's played by anna Prochnall, who is polish and she because of her involvement in this movie she was banned from returning to poland and she couldn't even get back into the country to visit her dying mother. Dang. <laughs> like that's that's how controversial this film was. I'm just going to go through my notes and then we can talk about what we think the movie means. But so the Miss Virgin contest, it opens with the mother of Mr. Dollars, this old lady who, <laughs> I mean, she's serving camp. So is the son. She, she's kind of Mae Westy. She, yeah. Uh, she, so we have the contestants, like the finalists come out on stage and there's a host and they have a doctor there who's examining them to make sure their hymens are intact. So we get Miss Rhodesia, Miss Congo, Miss Yugoslavia, and then of course, Miss Canada. 
Um, Ms. Congo is this black lady who's kind of like the, she seems to be seducing the doctor. The yeah. doctor is clearly like, he likes his job. Miss mm-hmm. Yugoslavia comes out and she's, <laughs> it seemed like she thought she was doing like WrestleMania because <laughs> she, had a skirt she was not following instructions and she was body slamming people. A skirt of bananas. Like, could you take these bananas? That was Miss Congo. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Miss Canada wins and then she gets picked up by her billionaire beau uh played by john vernon in an in a helicopter and he is smoking a pipe and the pipe the head of the pipe is shaped like Karl marx's head which um is interesting because obviously i think this film which we can talk about more involves an aspect of cap commentary on capitalism And and then we we see at the end after we see that final footage from russia and the polish soldiers remains we see that now on that ship the head of karl marx now has like a a, like a bandage and a tear Mm -hmm. so i thought that was interesting yeah like marx is crying over the death of his ideals the the boat scene by the way is taking place in amsterdam oh i thought the mr dollars is that his name dollar or dollars mr dollar oh mr dollar the billionaire Mm -hmm. he's trying to explain why he wants a virgin bride and it was so i thought the i i i think the okay so just straight out the gate i think that this movie makes for a great conversation piece Mm -hmm. i don't think it's very well done but i think the ideas presented in it are extremely interesting so overall i would say this is worth watching I think it's very uh, captivating and innovative and, you know, in, in a, it's like in the seventies, we were on the precipice of people pushing these boundaries that now we've all kind of crawled back under the bed. It feels like. I think that it's definitely pushing boundaries, but I also think, I mean, you can be provocative and all that and I mean, still not be well done. And I don't, sure. I think the acting in this movie is not the best. Is it, is it as good? I mean, it reminded me of Pasolini and Bunuel and Marco Ferreri and all three of those have done films that are very controversial that, well, are, maybe arguably better than this but i still quite like it yeah, i mean i wouldn't say i like it i, I just think it would you know it, it it would make for something that's interesting to talk about but yeah the acting the visuals the set design i mean it's it's not as spectacular i mean obviously thinking about poor things but even if we go back to that film that we reviewed uh like the cook her thief the lover the whatever the, cook, the thief his wife and her lover yeah even that one, like thinking about the dinner scene in this movie versus, you know, of course we're in a fine dining room in that Helen Mirren movie, you know, that movie, just the care that was taken in the set design and the color palettes, this just feels very like, well, it feels kind of like guerrilla style. It does. But you know, he was banned uh, from his country after the previous film, WR mysteries of the organism. And this film is also uh, kind of, getting into that, that was kind of a strange biopic, if you can call it that, of William Reich, uh, who is a a psychoanalyst and had very progressive ideas about sexual and personal liberation, and uh, which I think this film is speaking with, speaking to those things metaphorically. So he'd been banned from his country. So I think, you know, he made this cobbling together funds from all these places, which is why you have Canada and Amsterdam featured heavily. But this is an example of art being like having its value measured in context right sure so i think this film's important if we think about the time and the place and the person and the difficulties then yes it has a lot of value but i still don't think it's a very well-made movie and it's not necessarily like that enjoyable to watch like it does feel somewhat grotesque and vulgar in a way that doesn't suit my personality like I, I come across as being very prudish and I'm absolutely not. I just think that well, I appreciate a certain elegance to things. And when that's missing, it. There, there were two essays written for the Criterion release and the one by Stanley. They're both very good. Uh, the Stanley Cavell one poses some interesting questions, though. Um, he says, if you are not periodically disgusted by it, is this a sign of your failure or your success? To find yourself without disgust can mean that you allow yourself to know that the case calls for something more than what we know as a judgment of moral disapproval, or it can mean that you shrink from even moral judgment as if the event is alien to you. So I think, 
I don't know. I, I think that it, it's not uh, an ex. I don't think this film is an exploitation film. It's not- I agree with that statement. Yeah. I'm just saying that when we argue about this often is I don't always think that these things are deliberate. I don't know that this filmmaker had all of this in mind. I think this is a consequence of all of these things merging together. And again, that's why I think this film is deserving of a criterion release and critical acclaim and discussion. But I don't know as, you know, as this person was making this project and having to slap something together at the last minute because someone walked off and not having the support of their government and probably not having resources, we we got the product we got. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think he deliberately hired actors who weren't very good at acting or, I mean, the main lady, Miss Canada, she's stunning. Beautiful. And I can see why they hired her. Maybe they had a hard time finding someone as beautiful as her who'd be willing to open up their vagina on camera and then pour chocolate syrup into it. So it's like, well, you take what you can get. Like that bitch felt like she had the personality of a rubber chicken. So she did, but someone might argue that that was supposed to be her personality, but I would say, no, I think that she just couldn't act very well. I think that because she had no dialogue really. So yes. And maybe that would have been the development of her character. And we would have seen that had she stayed on the project. Maybe. Yeah. That's a good point. You know, like Emma Stone and poor things as a, as a, good recent right. uh, counterpoint. But. but again, I think that, you know, the context you gave is extremely important. But I think there's a lot going on that's very specific to, you know, what 1974 is trying to say about communism and capitalism. Because if you think about it, the original story is supposed to be kind of, is this judgment of capitalism? I mean, Mr. Dollar literally has communists that he's put in his pipe and smoked it. Like, like we, we put this to rest, we killed this. There is no communism, but look at what happens under a capitalist society. The, the, the female body is uh, a method of, is something that can be purchased and used and abused however we want and shipped off when we are tired of her. And then I think that it was a stroke of luck. She walked off because then you have this really interesting juxtaposition with, uh, Anna Planeta, who's on this, the good ship, what's it called? Survival floating down uh, the river in Amsterdam with uh, a paper mache Karl Marx is kind of not unlike Mr. Dollar in a way that takes this lover and, and murders him. So we have like 11 minutes. I, I, I think in, in lieu of my notes, I wanted, what was my impression of this film and the themes? Cause I do think there's a lot to talk about. First of all, the title, I, you had a better expl- ex- explanation for the title, but I thought, my my initial thought was this movie is vulgar in a way, but it's and we can and I, I think it's important next to talk about the dinner scene. But I think with, especially with the dinner scene and the bodily functions and how disgusting it's supposed to be. But then thinking about sex and how sex is adjacent to all of these disgusting things, right? Mm-hmm. So vomiting, piss, shit. Like, well, I mean, if you perform oral sex on someone, I mean, you're pretty close to having piss in your mouth. And if you like to eat ass, you're pretty close to having shit in your mouth. And, you know, I, I, I think the, the action of vomiting when it comes to sex is very interesting because depending on how you like to have sex, there can be gagging involved at times. And, you know, I mean, that's very close to vomiting. So I think the title to me is very interesting and appropriate because it's like, flipping vulgarity on its head like what do you consider vulgar like well yeah what are the parameters we place on things that make them vulgar or not when is sex vulgar because i very much relate to this idea of like oh because i seem prudish that i'm not like i i think that the, the way things are presented really inform people's reactions because i was even listening to a podcast where they were talking about it was about veganism but then saying how people are so offended like how we eat turkey and, you know, lamb and whatever, but then in other cultures they might eat dog. And it's like, well, it's just a different set of animals people eat. Like it's all crazy if you don't eat meat. And I think the same with sex, like everyone's kind of doing something around the same mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just how it's presented. So in this film, that dinner scene, which I think, well, why don't you talk about the title? The, well, I think the t- well, the sugar is very much uh, a metaphor in both storylines with literally this, this sugar, this vat of sugar within which Pierre Clementi is murdered. Yeah. Uh, and, and also the chocolate, the chocolate. that, uh, which is the book and scene of how we meet Miss Canada is 
you know, something going in her vagina. But I, I think it's about how we fool ourselves with like, like what is Mary Poppins saying? Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. It helps all the bullshit and the toxicity go down too. Like that it's just us fooling ourselves. That's all it is. These, these bourgeois, uh, uh, definitions and traditions we place on everything to which we all agree on makes something that is maybe animalistic or id okay or easier to deal with it, it's all fake so then let's talk about the dinner scene so when miss canada shows up she's she's catatonic it, it seems like she's gone through a traumatic experience having sex for the first time. They plop her at this dinner table. Someone's trying to shove food in her mouth, mouth she won't eat. And then the dinner scene, there's a lot of food on the table and it already seems kind of chaotic. And then it very sort of quickly evolves into like pure chaos where people start throwing food, mashing it all over their bodies. And then we see people making themselves vomit. At one point, a man pulls out his penis and starts urinating, and then another man like drinks it. Then we see the man sitting next to Miss Canada appears to have like a cow's tongue mm -hmm. that he's pulled through his pants, like, like the zipper, like a penis, like a penis, and then he starts chopping at it with a cleaver. And then when he's done with that, and everyone starts biting on the chunks of tongue, mm -hmm. then Miss Canada actually pulls out his penis, and then she's kind of caressing it next to her face. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was very powerful because I think I think sex for a lot of people can be this very extreme thing. Like people people evolve into doing very extreme things, like having sex with lots of strangers, doing very invasive things on a regular basis with people who you don't know. And I often get the sense that these same people really want intimacy. And I think that Miss Canada just hold like she just pulls out this flaccid penis and she has it resting against her face and it just seems very sweet and tender mm -hmm. against the backdrop of people literally losing their minds losing their minds and then we transition to several of them like popping a squat and defecating on a plate mm -hmm. and then they start flinging that shit around literally then we move to one gentleman who they're treating like a baby so they have him on a bed and then they're like cleaning him it looks like they rub shit all over him yeah then they clean him like a baby with a diaper and put baby powder on him and then he starts urinating like when a baby surprises you um i thought you know the symbolism is very heavy-handed so i can see people being appalled i did not find it appalling in fact i found it kind of basic like it's like so obvious what's happening uh, but 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 again, I think when it comes to sex in that way, like visually and ideologically, I like more refined presentations. But because I often think like, oh, I mean, maybe if you're someone who doesn't have access to things you like to do, then maybe manifest in like more extreme ways. I don't have that issue. So then I don't like to me, it's like there's a more uh elegant way to show this but it's very effective the more elegant way to show this would be something like poor things and look at the controversy that, that people are scared of. Sex. and you know what maybe that's why i loved poor things because i thought this felt like a very refined way to show like sexual evolution uh, in a repressed in a repressed setting. environment yeah. and then people are losing their minds mm -hmm. i mean even this idea of like in poor things the 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 scene with the boys watching their dad have sex being cut out for british theaters is like well uh, i mean i find it provocative like yeah how how are parents talking to their children about sex mm -hmm. and, and this the, i was like i thought those kids were lucky to see a woman uh contradict the dad and be like no actually this doesn't work now what i have wanted to see my dad have sex with a woman Hell, to explain to me about no. sex no of course not but no. i but, but but i didn't think that's what the movie was doing I, I think it was attempting to be provocative by saying like these boys need to learn how to have sex yeah people have sex because yeah. if they because if people were more comfortable with sex and felt like they could communicate what they want maybe they wouldn't be at this goddamn brothel right now like right. maybe they would maybe they wouldn't be doing things behind their wives or spouses back so i that's the kind of presentation i like but in this film sweet movie i did find it very effective Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah i I think it's a very provocative film um i feel like there's something else major we were 
to talk about with it, but. Um, well, I think also, oh, so then seeing the footage from the Polish soldiers, I think the context of the time and when this was made, the place, the backdrop of communism and people not feeling free. And again, I think it's very heavy handed. I think looking back at it, knowing, you know, finding out the truth about that scenario much later in history, it has much more impact, but I can imagine people in the seventies seeing it and being like, this is so disrespectful and so unnecessary, but I, I think it has its place. I think it has its place. I think that we have uh, bigger fish to fry and then yeah. people are so worried about things that are, I mean, people seem so concerned about other people's sexuality when it's like people don't have health care. People's children don't know how to read education's shit. Like people don't have, people have housing issues. Some, some of y'all work full time, like a two income household and can't afford a house. Mm -hmm. And you're worried about who I'm fucking where someone's putting their <laughs> penis. It just right. seems like maybe you need to reevaluate. That's kind of what I took from that. Like there are very serious things that have happened and we, well, and, and, and then of course the end is kind of cryptic, hopeful with the boys that are, that were murdered on the boat, uh, on the survival boat. Uh, and they wake up as the end credits roll. Well, I interpreted that as being that, these boys like de like developing their sexuality and having this because men seem the way this film presents it is like men have this uncontrollable urge to have sex even in the face of imminent danger yeah. like i will kill you i gotta have it and so to me it felt like and then juxtaposed with mr dollar being deathly afraid of venereal diseases but still trying to find a way i interpreted these boys reanimating as being like no matter what, like we're going to go up to bat, like. <laughs> well, and also the no matter what that in the cycle continues. Yes, like, like yeah. it's it's almost as if to say this was all for nothing, really. But well, um, yeah, this is the movie one could talk about a lot. I do recommend it. What would you give? Would you hold your score of four and a half? Yeah, I hold it. Uh, I, I would it. give this film three and a half. I I, I mean it's, it's very good uh, and. I think it's exact. I, I wish more filmmakers felt like this now. Um, the feeling, the feeling of not the production value, though. <laughs> it's impressive this got made. I think but it is the it feeling is. of like let's like I'm gonna be in your fucking face. Like I have a perspective, and and it's shitty out there. Like why are we all playing it safe? I don't know. Is there anything else you'd like to say? No. Ta ta. <laughs> Ha! <laughs>